Welcome to the Salty and Bright podcast, a show about how we can better live as God's salt and light today. Today, I'm excited to welcome Leslie Christensen to the podcast. Leslie was born and raised in a Christ-centered home as the eldest of five kids. After meeting and marrying her husband, Brett, Leslie moved from her native Tasmania to Melbourne and has stayed there ever since. Together, Leslie and Brett have three adult children, three grandchildren, and another little one on the way. They currently worship and serve at the Southeast Church of Christ, based in the Melbourne suburb of Carrum, with Leslie dedicating much of her time to sharing the gospel through online Bible studies. So Leslie, before we get into our questions on our theme of evangelism, can you tell us a bit about your own journey of coming to know Christ and becoming part of his church? Well, my parents are basically the biggest thing in that. When I was, uh, or till I was five, they were Anglicans and they started to see some things in the scriptures. They started to read the scriptures and see some things that didn't align with what they'd been taught. So eventually, like they were reading the Bible, and when I was five, they were baptised into Christ. Then later on, at 17, I was baptised also. And that's really just the start of it, because I can't hang off the coattails of my parents. They can't save me. (laughs) Their faith can't save me. And I have to make sure that I'm like the Bereans, and we all have to make sure we're like the Bereans who search the scriptures to see whether what they're taught was so just like my parents. I've done that and I'm still doing that. And yeah, it's a journey coming to Christ. I'm still coming to know Christ and hopefully it never stops. I've been convicted many times. There's wake up calls that I've had during my life. Some that have come from people that have been in my life, things that they've said or done, good good and bad. And most importantly, and most often, come directly from the Word of God. And sometimes it says, Leslie, you're sinning. You're doing the wrong thing. And I might not like it at first, but that's a really refreshing thing. And it brings positive changes to the life. And I say it all the time, (laughs) that God's Word just does things. It's living and active, like Hebrews says, and... Yeah, it brings great joy and brings great comfort, but it also brings conviction. But God's way is best and it just works. So, Leslie, now that we've heard a bit more about your path towards Christ, could you tell us a bit about how evangelism is a part of your life? Well, I think evangelism is absolutely crucial to our faith. In fact, it basically affects every part of my life, the decisions I make. And that includes the big ones, like who we marry, where we live. It affects the smaller decisions too, like how we spend our money, how we spend our time. We had uh, a Kia Carnival, an eight-seater Kia Carnival. I called it our kingdom car. And we just, it's taken lots of people to encouraging events. We've been able to help people move we've been able to lend it out to people and it was a deliberate decision to have this big hefty car (laughs) that carried lots of people comfortably and 
lots of stuff comfortably. It was a deliberate kingdom decision. And buying this house, there was a lady in the congregation in a wheelchair and I said, I want one that she feels comfortable coming into, not one where you have to travel up lots of stairs. How can we use this house best for reaching out to people and having people over? So we walked into this house and saw, okay, here's a good room where we can have fellowship and where we can have non-Christians come and study. And there's a room where kids can play separately if we need to have a private chat. And we can't always be able to make those decisions, but I think we need to have the kingdom in mind with all the decisions that we make. I know people that have moved a long way away from brethren because they like the lifestyle in a bit of a different area. And there's lots of beautiful places I'd like to live, but we've got to be around the brethren and we need that encouragement. But also I've lived in this area for 30-something years. <laughs> I can't remember. I've walked to kinder and school with my kids, then going to the shops and... I think I'd have to start again. The conversations I can have with people just because I know them, yeah, it's amazing. And I remember, I think it was Dale, my son, one day said, I had to go to the shop just before dinner. And he said, oh, don't forget we're having dinner, Mum, because <laughs> they know that I would get into conversations with people and, you know, take half an hour <laughs> when... We might need to go somewhere or whatever. And I'm not a gregarious person, really. I'm, I'm not that brave or anything, but I make intentional decisions about I'm going on a walk or whatever and pray for people that I might be able to plant a seed with or just say something to. And so I'll often just say a sentence when I'm walking past someone. And it's not about God or anything, but just to... It sometimes just starts up a conversation. And so I'm thinking, how might I be able to reach this person with the gospel? You know, that strikes a chord with me, Leslie, because I think with evangelism, a lot of the time us Christians can think that it has to be only the really outgoing person who gets along with everyone. And so I was wondering if you could talk a bit more about how you just practically overcome that nervousness or that awkwardness that comes with sharing the gospel sometimes. I like the, is it Nike that says, just do it. And I think just doing it helps. <laughs> you know, you're just, okay, I'm going to do it. It sort of gets, gets easier, <laughs> I think. Uh, that's one of the one of the biggest things, but also recognising that, once again, it's God's word that does it. A few weeks ago, we had something booked on a Saturday afternoon, people coming over, and that was pulled out. So I said to Brett, I want to listen to Psalms. Can, shall we listen to Psalms? We, we had those few hours, and we, just listening to it all in one hit, was fantastic. I was going through every emotion in there, which the Psalms does, and I was feeling, oh, yes, God, this is so fantastic. Look at all the good things you've done. And then you see God's anger and you see 
conviction for your sin and you feel sad. I'd feel sad for this world that was lost. Oh, and there was the conviction of my own sin, you know, throughout that. And so I get teary and so I'd be, <laughs> you know, you just fluctuate with all these emotions. But one thing that stood out to me was the number of times it said, make this known to all the nations, tell it to the generations, teach God's statutes. Yeah, it was eye-opening to see that, wow, Psalms is really spurring me on to get out there and just do something, <laughs> you know, to share it. Most books of the Bible can do that for me. <laughs> but the more you get into the Word, the more you know the Word and are confident with what it says, it allays the fears. You think about the Psalms again, the first Psalm where David says, I meditate on your law day and night. I just can't overstress the importance of knowing the word, loving it, believing in its power. I did want to follow up, Leslie, on what you were saying about how in the Psalms or just in the Bible in general, there are these commands or instructions to go teach other people about God. So I was wondering if you had any thoughts on the other aspects of evangelism. So other than teaching, are there any other aspects of evangelism that we haven't quite talked about yet? Did you ever meet Jerry Tallman when he came here? Quite a few years ago. And he was someone who, from America. Um, he's just really good at reaching people. And he travels around reaching people and helping people to reach others. But one of the things that really stood out to me is how he kind of defined evangelism. He said something like, um, it's one beggar telling another beggar where they found good food. And I just think that is fantastic. I know what I know. You know what you know. <laughs> we know different things and um, we're at different levels. But you can tell what you know to people. The newest of Christians can tell of who Christ is and what he can do for their life. So they can tell them that. And we have the absolute best news. <laughs> so this is the good food, the living water, the living bread. It's what evangelism is all about, sharing this living bread that we have and going, like I say, to another beggar. We're just all just desperately in need of God. And I just share. And it's not just about teaching. When I or you or anyone does a good deed, or any Christ-like act, that's evangelism and has an impact on people. As like Matthew 25 says with Jesus, he says, if you do it to the least of these, you do it to me. And then in James it talks about pure and undefiled religion and we can concentrate a lot on what it says about visiting the orphans and the widows and that's, yes, <laughs> obviously, we need to do that. But what it also says is keeping yourself unspotted from the world. If we live with integrity, with honesty and purity, the people at work will see, okay, there's something different. Some won't like it. And, you know, we have that all throughout the Bible, of being rejected and all that sort of stuff. But some will love it and some will say, I want it. <laughs> so... We can sort of think of evangelism sometimes as just going out and preaching the word, but that's just a small, small part of it, really. 
and yeah like I say some will love it and some will just see well that's good for you <laughs> I don't want it but I can see that it works and I've actually had people say that like one lady said she'd asked some things but she said no nah, don't want it but later on I might <laughs> and I'll come to you and I hope she does <laughs> you know what I'm hearing in your last point Leslie is just the fact that it's more of a long-term investment in that person in a way. But I did want to ask you, Leslie, about your point that a lot of the time we can be evangelistic just through the everyday kind of good deeds that we do. And so I was wondering if you could speak about what actually distinguishes evangelism from just doing good deeds. I took my kids down one day and we went to... I just had all these coins and we went down to a car park and we were just paying for people's car parking. Like when they came back, we'd just say, would you mind us paying for your car park? I got all sorts of different responses from that. <laughs> you know, I got hugs and all that sort of stuff, but one just said, I don't want any sermon. It just, yeah, you can pay for me. And I think, yeah. I wasn't preaching to anyone. I was just doing it. You know, but people recognise, okay, this is something different, really abounding in good deeds. Being known, becoming known as someone who does good deeds is different to doing a good deed just every now and then helping someone out. Yeah, I don't know, people just sort of see some things. But also in your speech, you're just mentioning things about your faith. And sometimes it comes out as you're not even saying something about the faith but I remember this one woman said oh that was very wise Leslie and I think well I didn't tell you but I just got that straight from the Bible <laughs> you know all that sort of thing once again go back to knowing the Bible then it comes out in our speech even if we're not telling them that it comes from the Bible and I just try to listen to people and hear what they're saying I think okay how can I bring something out in this conversation. I met a lady one day, she just lives around the corner, and she was limping and she said something like, oh, it's better than the alternative, which means death, <laughs> you know, to have all this stuff. And I said, oh, I'm ready for that. Are you? And she said, she's about 20 years older than me. She said, oh, Leslie, you can't, you can't say that. You're so young. And I said, yeah, well, I'm ready. <laughs> I'm ready to... Meet my maker. That got us talking. And she said, oh, I try to talk to my husband. I believe in God, but my husband doesn't. That's just really good what you're saying. And so over the next year or so, I had to have these conversations. There was never any, you're going to hell or <laughs> anything like that. But yeah, just getting to know someone and seeing, seeing what makes them tick is a, a really good thing. And to listen. And I think, remember, I will come home from a walk or come home from somewhere and say, I met faith. I'd write, write it down, something that you'd picked up in the conversation, and I'd pray for that person. And occasionally, you know, we've swapped numbers. There was someone I met maybe three weeks or a month ago. Uh, we were walking at the Devil Bend Reservoir, and she was walking the other way. We were finishing the walk, and she said, oh, do you think this is a safe place for like a woman to walk on her own you know she's wondering and I said oh yeah I think I would do 
I would do this walk on my own. But we got talking about stuff, not about God or anything. But she ended up giving me her phone number because I said, well, oh, you live fairly near me. Would you like, have you ever been to this other place? It's about the distance that you want to walk. Would you like to come do that? And she said, that'd be so lovely. And she gave me her number. So I've had a, we just walked together and then those things came out. And she said, oh, you're a Christian. You know, that's so nice. And so I learned a bit about her faith and her background. And, you know, I plan more walks. But that's just getting into people's lives, listening and, yeah, thinking about, okay, where can I take this conversation? Where can I take this relationship? You know, some people, I don't drink coffee, but people call it coffee evangelism, but I I say cafe evangelism (laughs) and just meeting someone at a cafe and sometimes I'll see people alone or whatever and think about, okay, what can I do? And I'll go and buy a couple of flowers from the florist and put a little note on it and take, take it to that person and just say, have a good day and we'll have a little message or something on it. So all those sorts of things, you get different responses. Some are, who are you? <laughs> you know, you're a weirdo. But some, you have made my day. <laughs> you know, and you sit down and, t- and chat. And so just being creative and thinking about things you can do is just a really good good way. It's all part of evangelism. If you have that kingdom intent in your mind all the time, you don't know who you might <laughs> you might meet. Leslie, I might just shift focus in our conversation to ask you about the early church. So do you have any thoughts on how the early church evangelized and also what you think we can learn from them? The book of Acts, like I said with Psalms, I listened to the whole thing. I love just sitting down and reading a whole book or listening to a whole book to get the whole flavour of the book sometimes. So if you've got time, or actually make time, (laughs) because it's just a really good thing to be able to do that. I think a subtitle for the book of Acts could be the book of courage. They prayed, and throughout the letters too, there was all these requests for praying for boldness. They were being persecuted. And even if they weren't being persecuted, you know, there's butterflies in the (laughs) stomach, you know, you're telling people this but they went and did it anyway our society is similar it's increasingly going against God and we need to pray for boldness knowing as I say I keep going back to this knowing the word is just what they did they didn't water it down they told the hard truth and there's scripture after scripture that says if you come to Christ you will be persecuted But they were willing to tell people, and I think I've become better at this over the years too, is telling people that if you come to Christ, Satan's going to be after you more in a lot of ways because, you know, he's got a lot of people. And I think that's just an important thing to get our head around. And in a way, just knowing it helps a bit, makes it a little bit easier. It's not this, this sudden shock that, oh, this was all supposed to be rosy. Um, So I think that helps. So you read through the book of Acts and everywhere. They were people of prayer, and that is so important. Prayer over the years has become a bigger and bigger part of my life. I'll pray 
before I go, not every time, but before I go to the shop sometimes and say, bring me someone to bless or to plant a seed, do that. And I remember once going and I got out of the car and I prayed for someone to help. And within, it was just funny that within half a minute, this woman would say, can someone help me, please? And all she needed, she had an anxiety problem and getting down the curb and going to her car was hard. So I just held her hand and walked her to her car. It was only a few metres away. But I just thought that was, I really liked that <laughs> that story. Um, they weren't in it for the numbers. They weren't in it to recruit. They just lived it and taught it. And yeah, it was just living the normal life, being in families, doing the washing, going shopping and all that sort of thing. And instead of going door knocking like we might do today, I've heard it put in terms of people will be knocking on the Christians' doors to say, what is it about you? <laughs> so to speak, they were you know, knocking on the doors will be an influence even when we sin and we deal with it in the right way as well. I think that can be really helpful because people so often say, oh, these Christians, they're hypocrites. <laughs> but we're just people and we make mistakes and we sin. The reason that we are Christians is because we do that. If we were perfect, we wouldn't, <laughs> wouldn't need that. And you don't go out and deliberately sin you try to <laughs> avoid all that but when you do mess up you're willing to take the blame and that's something that I haven't been good at over the years but I don't know God's just still working on me and I think in a lot of these areas I'll read the word and just be convicted I've got this journal that I write things from my bible reading and sometimes they're little prayers like yeah, help me to not be like this scripture says or or to become better at that. And I'm sorry, God, for when I've not done it. And I can look back over that and I think I can see improvements and that's a really good thing. And God's done that. It's totally, totally God. Another thing is the older were teaching the younger and the younger were saying, yeah, I want that. And I'm sure there were young people and old people, like young people and old people today, that resented that or whatever. And, oh, you're just an old fuddy-duddy. But you see instructions in the letters about the older teaching the younger and the younger showing respect to the older. I think that's just an important part. Maybe something that God's church isn't doing as well as what we should be. These young people have these wonderful wonderful ideas and some of them maybe need to be steered in a slightly different direction you can see they're so enthusiastic and the older people need to encourage them in that but just say oh I don't think that's a good way to go it's a dangerous way or or perhaps you could do it this way do you need any help I've got older people that I in the church that I've looked up to you know for a long long time and when I've had problems with the kids or anything, there are these people, and my parents are definitely top of the list, but there are others as well that have just been there for me, a lot of sisters in Christ that I'll always find that one of them is going through or has gone through exactly you know, what I've gone through with their kids or whatever. So that's one of the things they did, and they opened their homes 
So you see a lot of them, you know, meeting in homes. And I love Priscilla and Aquila are just some of my favourites. And Brett and I um, always say, we want to be like Priscilla and Aquila because <laughs> I think if they were in the church today, they'd be our mentors, <laughs> you know, that we can look up to. In several of the letters it says, and Priscilla and Aquila and the church that meets in their house, you know, they obviously welcome people and they taught the way of God more accurately to Apollos as well. You know, they didn't just slam slam it on it. They took him aside and spoke what they needed to say. And we have those sort of people. We can often think of evangelism as just those who are way out in the world that need reaching. But there are Apollos's as well that are just so close you know and they just need some guidance so yeah Priscilla and Quilla are really good um, mentors that we don't have in the in person but we have from the scriptures. I think you pulled out so many points Leslie and really helpful ones about the early church and so another question I have is what other challenges do you think stop us from being like the early church in how they shared the gospel? I think in a lot of ways, and it goes back to what I've been saying, people are becoming less and less familiar with the word and we're getting our cues from the internet. (laughs) So often people will say, oh yes, I've been listening, and I'm not putting down podcasts, but I've been listening to all these podcasts, I've been listening to sermons and all that. That's men talking. (laughs) We can sometimes fall in love with people's personalities and their wise words. Like they can have some wise words and then, oh, they're really good speakers. So we hang on every word, whether they're Christians or not. I'm not just talking about people in the church, you know, but we can sometimes be, even hang on every word of what our preacher says or whatever. And I think that's one of, yeah, the pitfalls. I can't give a percentage because there is a good place for, you know, just listening to encouraging sermons and podcasts and all that sort of thing. But don't make that yeah, the big thing that you do because you're just listening to people talk and I want to listen to God talk. <laughs> um, I think one of the main things is to remember that evangelism isn't about recruiting. I feel a little bit uncomfortable with these programs that say, we want 50 baptisms this year because... It's far more than just getting people to the point of baptism and making numbers. We're there for the whole journey, not just the conversion. And I just think that's a really important thing to think about with evangelism, that you don't just baptise people and then leave them. Theo, my grandson, you know, he, he just runs. He can run fast. But he still needs me to hold his hand. We went to a playground and he felt a bit nervous walking on some of the things at the playground. I gave him a bath and I have to sit there and supervise because he's not aware of the dangers. And that's how people that come to Christ are. They're not aware of all the dangers. They're not confident with some things, especially those first steps. So it's not about recruiting, it's about making disciples who will then make disciples, who will then make disciples. We want them to grow, to become more more like Christ. That's the whole, whole point of it.
So I realize we've been talking for quite a while now, Leslie, but I just have one last question. So do you have any advice for younger Christians like myself as to how we can evangelize with more courage, like the early church, or just more often in our everyday lives? One thing I've noticed about young people, might be more today than in previous generations, I don't know, but they need a cause. And young people are fighting for all sorts of causes. Some are totally anti-God and some are for God. These young people fighting for a cause, they get behind that cause because they see passion and they see zeal. And can you imagine a cause that's better or more important than giving genuine hope? to people. Imagine if the young people, the young people in the church stood up against all the the worldly stuff and they just stood up for the truth. There'd just be no better feeling. Again, it's for young people. You may think I've stressed this too much, but totally absorb God's word. Take it in and listen to it. Let it just be your life so that you know how to stand up against the the wiles of the devil. And that can come in so many subtle forms, false teaching, and it can come in lures for worldliness, lures for immorality. So get to know and absorb it. Don't be disheartened with rejection. I teach Bible online and I can get quite disheartened sometimes. You can say you take 20 people on who register or whatever. Most of them, if not all, will do nothing. They're just in there. I'll just have a bit of a look. And then of those, maybe one in there that might do something. They just do one lesson and then they've had enough. But what I've noticed is I can become really disheartened and God just brings this little bit of sunshine through the clouds. And even today, there have been two people with the online studies, two people that haven't done anything for ages, have sent a message and said, I want to get back into it. So you can get disheartened and God God says, I'm still here. <laughs> I'm still working. So that was my last evangelism-themed question, Leslie. But I'm keen to ask you a final five kind of rapid round questions. So the first rapid question, Leslie, is what is your favourite Bible verse and why? Hmm, that changes all the time. But one thing... I think in this last year, well, it comes in Matthew 4 and Luke 4, I think. But Matthew 4, there's a prophecy about him coming into the town of Naphtali and Zebulun. And he says he brought light where there was darkness. And in the Luke passage, you know, he set, he set the captive free. He released the prisoners. And this is all spiritual prisoners and, you know, those who are are locked in the chains of sin, he changed things. And I want to bring that Jesus to wherever I go. Second question, Leslie, is who is your Bible hero and why? I read the book of Daniel and I see there a man, a humble man, and I think it's Daniel 9 where he says this prayer and he says, he includes himself and says, we have sinned. We recognise your promises and you've said that you're going to bring us out of this captivity at this time. So just his total trust, his faith in God 
and he was afraid. <laughs> Can't eat for three weeks or, or you know, something like that because he's just so, you know, so stressed about something. But, yeah, I think he's probably my favourite at the moment. <laughs> and the next rapid question is, when or where do you feel closest to God? I live by the beach, so I can go down there sometimes and just read the Bible. It's beautiful when it's totally calm. It's beautiful when it's really rough. But it sort of fluctuates between the beach and then being out in the forest, the waterfall, and just sitting, like Psalm 46 says, just sitting, being still and knowing that he's God and just dwelling on the word and having my prayer time there. Fourth one, Leslie, is what is an ordinary moment that fills you with gratitude? Oh, boy. I just have them all the time. <laughs> um, but just seeing, I think family is just a really, a really big thing. Seeing my family and others who are walking in the truth just fills me with so much thanks for the grace that, you know, God's, God's given me. But sometimes I can get teary just thinking about all these physical blessings that God's blessed me with too. And the last rapid question is, what is one lesson you think God is still trying to teach you? Hmm, I can think of a couple, but I think one of them is being a forgiving person. I can handle a lot more easily when people who don't have a faith, you know, do the wrong thing. But, yeah, it's very difficult when someone has, you know, with a faith has mistreated you or whatever. But I find it comforting to realise that I've also done the same thing (laughs) to others. And knowing what Christ has done for me, it's definitely something that is still... (laughs) Still working on with me. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the podcast. I hope you enjoyed listening to all of Leslie's practical and sometimes quirky stories about sharing the gospel. As always, you can send any feedback to saltyandbrightpod at gmail.com and make sure to keep an eye out for our final evangelism episode coming soon. But until then... Stay salty and bright.